From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning. Focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour. Indeed, it is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we are glad to welcome in Deacon Danny Patterson. Deacon, good to have you here. A first time here. Second time. Second time, yes. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Uh, you are the coordinator for Respect Life Ministry here in the Diocese of Sacramento. We've just begun another 40 Days for Life campaign. I'm guessing, well, we have them in the fall. We have them in the right during Lent. Uh, gosh, this must be about number 20 or something. It's been a while. You know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of new to it. Um, I've never actually been out on the sidewalk uh, praying. My first experience right. was um, was Thursday. So I went out to the clinic here in Sacramento and um, thought, well, what can I do? Well, I can be a presence and mm-hmm. I can pray. So we're looking for a lot more support in the 40 days. Um, it's all of the clinics up and down the diocese. Right. There's a number of them, sadly. Um, and we want to be outside and really pray for the conversion, you know, that God touched these women and these men mm-hmm. um, and change their hearts and save the life. And, and I think there's a, a really important step that um, makes really clear through the work of the, for instance, Sacramento Life Center. Right. I was over there the other day. Um, it's really a walk with these women and their partners, boyfriends, right. husbands, families, right. um, providing the physical and material and spiritual support over the course of the first two years. And then, of course, we stay with them. Um, but we we meet that need that they have because in so many instances, that's the challenge, right? right? It costs a lot of money and a lot of time, as we know, to raise a child. Um, and the church should be there if we want to pr- respect life. Uh, we should be there in in protecting it and um, supporting the women who choose to to protect the life of that child. Yeah, you know it, it's interesting because one one of the quote unquote criticisms, and it's a false criticism we hear is, well, you only care about the baby in the womb. You don't hear it. It, it, I know I'm supposed to be relaxed and calm, and, but <laughs> that rankles me when I hear that. Because I know firsthand about what the, the, the Sacramento Life Center does. And I, I remember the uh, Sacramento Bee a, few, a couple of years ago sent out one of their lead columnists, actually a Pulitzer Prize winner, and, and she, went, she went to the Sacramento Life Center. And I think they expected they was going to, we're going to expose these people, we're going to hammer them. And she wrote this beautiful column about, hey, these people are, are doing good work Work that the work that the state should be doing. You know, I mean, if 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 we're concerned about abortion, I mean, it's it's a huge safety net, and the Sacramento Life Center, yeah, they they care about when you're pregnant, they care about when you give birth to the baby. I mean, they they'll give you free diapers for a year, and I, I I've yet to run into anybody who can give me a reason why there's something wrong. With giving a new family free diapers, but, but you know, but yeah. and they'll give you baby formula, and they will connect you with insurance, health insurance. They'll connect you with a doctor. A lot of people who come in are undocumented. They don't speak English. There's no oh, oh we're going to turn you away because we're this or we're that. No, everybody's welcome. Everybody is treated with compassion. Nobody's arms are being twisted. And it was really interesting to see this be columnist go, you know, tell the truth about what's going on there. Yeah, it's um, it's really what the church should be. Right? Exactly. I, was think, I was thinking the other day, um, really, the entire ministry of the church is pro-life. Right. Everything that we do has to do with the dignity of um, the individual person. Right, and right. leave, leave a, the, the abortion issue out. We're pro-life every place else. Everything is about, is about life. Everything is about the value of every single life at every stage of life. You know, I've, I've had, I don't know if it's a privilege, I've had the opportunity to be at a number of funerals since I've been a deacon. 
and front and center, um, even in death. Yeah. It always amazes me. There is the church's understanding of the dignity of life, mm-hmm. even in death. Right. There it is. And so it's it's really the, the full the full gamut of um from from cradle to grave, if if right. I could use that term, right. right? And you know, you mentioned the work of the Life Center, and there's many, there's many good centers out there that we partner right. with. The Knights of Columbus support through purchasing of ultrasounds. Right. Um and like you mentioned, one of the things that they're very good at and, and people need help with is navigating the bureaucracy that is our healthcare system. Yeah. Right. So how do you get access to, you know, good um, prenatal care, for example? How, how do you get family wellness? And the Sacramento Life Center um, has been very good about the people that they partner with. Right. And they've developed that expertise to sort of navigate, and again, that word, accompany these families right. to get them access to the things that they need to, to be well and healthy. Yeah, so what, what do you need, you know, and we will connect you. We will, I mean, I can't imagine somebody who's, and, and leave out their immigration status, just somebody who's here alone, mm-hmm. and Here's somebody who's going to give you a pregnancy test. We'll give you other, you know, uh, tests as well. It's a full medical clinic, and we'll find you a doctor, and we will help you through everything. And we're not going to leave you once the baby's born. Um, you are you are welcome here at all times. And it's just it's I can't imagine the real. I, I know. Uh, I mean, I I grew up here. I speak the language. I and and navigating the healthcare system is just so frustrating. Even when you have, what quote-unquote, good health insurance, trying to get in to see, you know, something, something happens, and you, uh, you know, give, giving me an appointment three weeks from now. That's right. My hip now. is killing me right That's now, right. you know. And, and, and somebody that is new to the area and everything, to, to have somebody actually hook them up with a doctor. And regardless of your income level, there's never a charge. It's not like, okay, fill out this form, bring us your IRS statements, bring us all your W-2s. No, it's free for everybody, completely, 100%, no questions asked, free. Yeah, all but, of it. You know, and some of the other work that we do here um, in the Respect Life Ministry, we were talking briefly before we came on. We have the Rachel's Vineyard, right. which are um, tre- helping those women um, who have suffered loss through abortion, right, right? right? Because we don't hear about that, but right. that's that's very much um, a reality for these right. women. Or someone right. who's lost through a, a miscarriage. Right, right. So having that life inside, and then for whatever reason, that life inside is, is no longer there. And so we want to help the weak, and we do. We help the women and their, their spouses, boyfriends, partners, um, through that and recovery, right? Again, that that's yeah. um, the the dignity of the person. We want that wellness, and then we also have uh, the Gabriel Project, right. which accompanies women, um, moms who who might be pregnant, who maybe have families. Uh, again, a beautiful ministry, and we're trying to grow those um, at the parish level because that's really the touch. That's where, point, yeah, right? and that's where people know too that. They, right. People know about a situation uh, at, at the parish level. And, of course, uh, the Catholic Church, even though people, outsiders tend to think of the Catholic Church as top-down, it's really down-up. Yeah. It's, you know, we bottom-up. Bottom-up, yeah. yeah. We, we really believe in the, the local level is, is the best level, you know, and, and the parish level is, is just so crucial on so many, so many areas. You know, and, and we have the Sacramento Life Center, we have the the uh, Bishop Gallegos Maternity Home here right. in Sacramento. We have the Mother Teresa Home up in uh, Placerville, and then you look at you know the, the all the the food closets and all the it's just it's mind boggling how like you say it's from womb to tomb as they say um, we're taking care of the whole person. Yeah, and and so we really are trying to build that capacity. Um, you know, so if someone comes into a parish, you know, they might be new to this country here. They might have language barriers. Culturally, they're 
some con- you know there's some right. differences um I know, again, the Sacramento Life Center is over there the other day. Um, they're hiring uh, people who speak different languages right. because that's who's coming into the Life Center. Right. And so they're they're going that far as uh, to increase their ability to serve, right? And if that's the model, um, what are we doing in the parish? Yeah. Right? We should be reflecting that or certainly connecting um, and accompanying these, you know, these women and their families, sacraments, certainly. Right. Um, again, the 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 role of the church, the inherent dignity of the person. You see that in our in the life of the church. You certainly see it in the ministries that we have. Yeah. Amen. Very well said. Yeah. It's 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 just always interesting to me to see how how many things we have going on, and. So often, and and I've heard it from people I've talked to that maybe had an abortion or were considering having an abortion, they felt alone. Mm-hmm. They they felt pressured by family or you know the father or anybody else. Uh, they just felt alone in it, and just somebody with a helping hand saying, "Hey, you know, I mean, I can't. You know, it's it's interesting when when you. I can't think of another." area of human life where the news you're pregnant can be complete joy, overwhelming joy, or this, oh, what a tragedy. I, you know, it's like, right. it's the same thing, and it, but it has so much to do with your circumstances and whether anybody's supporting you. And, and just to, to know there's a helping hand out there, there's a friendly face, there's somebody who's kind, there's somebody who says, hey, we're here and we will help you. You know, uh, for many of those women, it's probably the first time they've heard that because, yeah. you know, getting pregnant is a natural thing. I mean, it's why you and I are still here, right. <laughs> you know, and, and the whole human race is still here. And your whole body is reacting positively to that, you know. And it, so nobody, I, I just can't believe hardly anybody really wants to get an abortion. But they, they, you know, and I know culturally it's become very acceptable, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But still, it, it just, it's so, I mean, the first time I heard my wife was pregnant, oh, my gosh, we're just, you know. Right. It, it, it's, it's, and I, I, I think one thing that I really wish was, more emphasized, not not in, in in the church, but just in society as a whole, is because you frequently you see these billboards urging men to be responsible. Mm-hmm. I wish we had billboards that and outreach that talk to men about the joys of fatherhood. Yeah. What I mean, you're you're not going to have anything greater in your life. It doesn't say. I mean, obviously your faith, but then fatherhood is such a joy. You know, I have I have three of my own. Uh, they're adults, um, and you know, I thank God have been given um, resources. Right, I've been gifted by God to be able to provide for my family, not by myself. We're right. two income. Right. When my wife told me she was pregnant with our third, I mean, the first thing that runs through my mind is, how are we going oh, yeah. to do that? Right. How are we going to provide for this child? Right. And, you know, we're both working professionals. And right. so someone who might be on the lower level of the income sure. streams, you know, maybe working in retail, maybe have a young family, um, and now they have another, right. they're confronted with that crisis. I don't want to, because I think that's a mistake. Yeah, the, the, we that used word to call crisis, them, right, is the, not. We used to call them crisis pregnancy centers right. and fortunately have gone away from that. Yeah. So, um, you know, what you say, I, I think, really needs to be sort of the anthem of our church, right, that we do accompany, you know, and there's this, I think, and it's it's a false thinking that, you know, the defeat of Roe v. Wade, everything changed. Everything did change because now the states have carte blanche permission to sort of, and we see that certainly here in California, right? right? Abortion tourism has become law in California. So the need for prayer um, really is, uh, it's so needed even more now because of 
um, the sort of this cultural mentality that certainly our our elected leaders have, and we see that represented um, in the minds of the people who who think it's okay, right? right. I, I was, as I said, I was out there the other day at the clinic, and I watched um, some young people go in, uh, and the young man who was accompanying his female partner, I, I don't know what their relationship was. I could see him, the closer he got to the door, he, he kind of hung his head, mm-hmm. put his hoodie up, and I thought, oh, you know, yeah. you know. And so how can we help them? Because that, that, it's so essential that they know they're not alone. Yeah. So they don't have to hang their head as if that's the only thing that they have right. is to terminate that life. We need to be there and really put our money where our mouth is, right? Yeah, and you know, the, the, you know I, I've been sort of close to this issue for a mm-hmm. long time. Mm-hmm. I've been on the air here 25 years, and it was, uh, it was, I mean, I remember when I was in college, it was an issue. And when, uh, mm-hmm. believe it or not, of all people, Ronald Reagan signed the most liberal abortion permission, if you will, in the country, it was prior to Roe v. Wade, and later in life, of course, said that he, it was the biggest mistake he ever made. But um, at at that time, it was well, we're just we're going to put the crack in the door just slightly, and boom, it gets kicked right. open. Right. But you know, the thing that has surprised me in the last year or so, and I've seen this data enough that I believe it's true. If you had asked me who are the vast majority of people getting abortions, I would have thought. It was people that have never had had children, you know. Like it was a first pregnancy. I don't know what to do. I'm alone. I'm not married. And, and the easiest thing to do is to just get an abortion. And but the figures are that it's about sixty percent. Believe that's accurate. Of the people who had get an abortion, already have children. Oh, and yeah, it's just yeah. what you were saying, yeah. you know. And and I really was stunned by that. I figured once you had a child, you would realize what a gift they are. And even if, if, you know, you're poor and everything else, that next child comes along, you're saying, well, it's a child. I mean, I can't, but that's not the case. And many of them, a large percentage of them identify as Catholic. Right. Right. So there's something going on there that the church um, should have a really active role. And and we do, but we can do more. We can do more. And the other startling thing, because um, again, having gone over to the Life Center and and learned, um, a large percentage of these women who have abortions say the role of the father of that child, if they were supportive, oh, absolutely, they would choose to have that child. Yep. So we, you know, you mentioned, you know, we need to grow responsible men. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because if if we have responsible men who then care for the life that they've had a role in creating, right. and it's what it's love them both, yeah. right? Love the mother and love the child. Yeah, and you know it's it's funny because I've, I've been blessed with six children mm. and uh, two boys on each end and four girls and and I've told them. And, and my wife does too, you know, from the start, that, yeah, we we hope this doesn't happen out of wedlock, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we also realize that that could happen. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it's it's funny. People, people on the other side of this issue will say, well, if the parents don't have a good relationship with the child to even talk about these things, that's, that's the problem. And you'll know, you know, you can be the best parent in the world, and they can be the best kids in the world. And they, they would be mortified to tell you that they were pregnant and they're not married, et cetera, because they would feel like they're disappointing you. Mm-hmm. And I don't ever want, I, I know when I was that age, I'd have been mortified to tell my parents. Because, and they were good parents and we had open communication. But you would, you just have that, I don't want to disappoint them. Not I'm afraid they're going to, pound me into submission and and I always told my kids if, if something like that happens to you your mom and your dad we will be 
the best friends you could ever have. Not your roommate in college, not your boyfriend, not we will be the best friend. Don't ever feel like you can't come to us like we're going to be so disappointed. You're a year from graduating from Harvard, and here you are. Or you can't play on the basketball team because you're pregnant. Don't worry about it. We will be your best friend. You know, and what a weight that is on these young women, right? Yeah. That word disappointed. Someone yeah. told me many years ago, never ever tell your child oh. that you are disappointed in them. Absolutely. Because the weight of that yeah. on them is just too much. There's certainly other words we can use. You could have made better choices, yeah. right? But now, what do we do? Yeah, where right? do we go from here? Right. This is this is, and, and we've all we've all faced that with our, with our children, where something happens and it, it's not it's not it's not oh, there's straight A's and they're doing this and they're sitting in the front row at church and you know everything's perfect every day of the it doesn't happen that way and it's even in the good book you know the Bible says don't I don't know if the word is nag but it's basically don't nag your children so much that they lose heart. You know, that they like, oh, I'm just so disappointing to my parents. Uh, you know, I mean, that, that's, you, you hit it on the head, you know. So. Yeah, so, you know, our responsibility, I think, as parents is, and this is a quote from my mother, um, is to raise mature, compassionate people and put them free in the world, right? It's yeah. how we renew society. And so... The church, you know, getting back to um, what the church should be doing and is doing and, and what we continue to grow is that compassionate care for the mothers and their spouses or right. partners who find themselves in this situation. We want to take away those um, impediments that they think right. um, get in the way of them bringing and giving that child life. If we, if we are there to help, um, we need to carry that message, but with compassion and mercy, not with judgment, right? right? right. Yeah, yeah. Not with disappointment. And the, the judgment, you know, first off, we're told judge not. And second off, judgment never works. It just doesn't work. If you want a practical solution to something, don't start judging. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, let the, but I have a, a friend, uh, a good friend, who's a Superior Court judge, and very religious as well. And I said, how do you deal with that? <laughs> because the Bible says judge not. And you're in there every day judging. You know, we kind of have a laugh over that. But, and he's, he's, he's very good about that, though. You know, he, he realizes that, there, that he has to really look at that individual in a way when, when it comes to people that are truly guilty and, and actually give a sentence that is just, but hopefully mixed with hope and some compassion because most people are going to be back in society uh, except the, the real hardened criminals and the serious crimes. They're going to be back in society walking among us. Yeah. And so we want them to be able to come back to society and not harm society. And not be wounded. And not be wounded. That's right. a tough, that's a tough sled. Right. So, sure. you know, the, uh, the work of the respect life, teams uh, here at the diocese and um, in the parishes is really, really important. And we're trying to grow that. Um, uh, the, the, the people that are on the team here that work with the, you know, with the moms and work uh, with the ministry leaders in the parishes are doing a great job. Um, but we need more capacity because yep. it's not, this situation isn't just isolated to a few of our parishes. Right. And we do have, like I said, Rachel's Vineyard. We have the, the Gabriel Project. We have the, I I, I always go to the the uh, Bishop Gago's maternity home dinner every year right, in September. And right. uh, and uh, one of my one of my daughters, she was, she was now a junior in college. She started going uh, with the first one, which she was about four or five years old, and she she calls me from college and says, "Give me the date of that." Because I'm circling that. I'm not going to be going out with my friends. I'm not going to have a, a final on that. I'm, I'm going to make sure she always makes it, you know. You know, I, I think, too, the um, mentality of our young people around this issue is shifting. Yeah. Right? I think, you know, when things, and this, this happens, right? It happens in government. It happens in politics. It certainly happens in life. 
when things go too far one way, yep. they self-correct. Yep. And I think we're seeing that in our young people. Well, you know, in our young people, there's there's also a little bit of that countercultural mm-hmm. uh, uh, rebellion, if you have, not not in a serious way, but but I, I, I know this is the way it is, but I'm going to look at things a little differently. And especially in a state like California, where abortion on demand has just become a kind of kind of completely accepted thing to do. So a lot of these kids are looking at that and going, is that really okay? Is it? You know, I went to the Walk for Life um, in San Francisco right. this year. And, um, I mean, it's quite the spectacle. In, it is. In, in the positive way. But yeah. What a witness that is. And, you know, I, I always, I'm a people watcher from way back. Yeah. And um, there were just gobs of young people. And so how do we, you know, first we have a problem with the church, right? Because a lot of them are not in the church, right, right? but they feel passionate about this issue. So how do we bring that youth and enthusiasm um, and bring that message to the places where they go, right? Where they're In their high schools, where these, you know, sexuality and the hormones are just jumping all over the place. Right. How do we bring the respect for life and really human dignity? Right. How do we bring that back into that environment so we begin to avoid the unplanned, the right. unexpected pregnancies, right? Yeah. If we can, if we can respect, and I have two daughters, right? I, I, I get it because I was a young man too once, right? I always taught them, first, you have a name. You're not first someone's girlfriend. You right. have a name, so be that. Right. Don't be defined. And, but, you know, yeah. and there's, and and you know, a lot of our young women that are getting pregnant. You know, I, I don't want to get too too global here, but if if we look at the breakdown of our families, right? We're so busy making money, right? Um, our 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 children don't have that nucleus that mm-hmm. they can belong to. You know, right. it's not the same as when I grew up. Lights go out, you're home at the dinner table, yep. right? Yeah, I know. So they don't have that in many instances, and we have more and more and more single-family homes. Yep. Um, so that modeling of relationships that are so important, where do they see that? Yep. They certainly don't see it on social media. If you watch you know, streaming anything, they don't model healthy relationships. Yep. And so we need to sort of, I think that's part of the work of Respect Life is to help them understand what that is so they don't find themselves in an unhealthy relationship. Yep. And now they're they're pregnant and they certainly don't want to spend their life with this guy. Right. Right. So it, we there, there's a lot of work to do, but it's not um, insurmountable because we don't do it alone. We don't right? do it alone. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. We always have to remember, you know, there's this like, you know, okay, I guess I haven't solved this on my own. I'm going to turn to God now. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was out there, Bob, on the sidewalk in front of the Sacramento uh, Planned Parenthood. And I was just walking up and down, praying the pro-life rosary. And the meditations are beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, and I thought to myself, well, what? Because I was the only one out there. What good is this? Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. yeah, but we don't know what God does with our prayers. Yeah, that's right. You know, the people who were coming out. And they, it wasn't busy, but there were people going in and out of the clinic. And I thought, you know, maybe by my witness, they see they're not alone. There's someone who, out here who actually cares for them and is praying for them. Um, and then we have to allow God to, he made life yep. to change the heart of those people and, and our hearts too, so that we can be more loving, more compassionate, more prayerful, um, and, and work with God, um, who puts us in front of these people who, who feel like this is their only choice. Yeah. You know, I, I've said it many times, uh, in, during these sorts of discussions that, if, if I were in that situation and I was driving somebody to a clinic and I saw one person, especially a big guy like you, praying a rosary in front of that clinic, I wouldn't be able to stop. 
even if I had fallen away from the church. Well, that's the hope. You know, right? no, it's really, I, <laughs> I, would, I would go, whoa. You know, it would all come back to me. You know, like, whoa, I can't do this. There's something else here, right? Yeah. There's yeah. something else here. And, and so. there's a reason you're there. And there's a reason that God put you in my path. Yeah. You know, I think of the dismissal, because I'm a deacon, right? I think of the dismissal all the time. What's the charge? Go and love your neighbor as yourself. Right. Right? To love and serve the Lord and one another. Right? We're called to be Christ in the world. Right? We become him. I think it was Catherine of Siena. We become his hands, his voice, his arms, his feet. Right. We become Christ in the world. And I think we miss that yeah. in some aspects because we are faulty, right? But this is the way God acts. He works through us. And so there's, there's uh, I, I feel very uh, privileged to be uh, invited to participate in this work here at the diocese. It's is something I have a, a lot of passion about. Um, first of all, uh, for the gift of faith, you know, mm -hmm. thanksgiving for that. And then it's always been a life of how, how do I give away what I've received, mm -hmm. right? By serving and loving. That's the second greatest commandment, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Right. And we would never intentionally do something violence to ourselves. Sure. So we need to love our our neighbors, as God loves us, yep. right? And how did he do that? By giving his very life, yep. right? That's what we're called to do for one another, to pour ourselves out for them. It's it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful calling. And, you know, I, I hope those who are listening to the radio uh, feel moved a little bit to get involved in this work, uh, praying for, for life and, if they don't have uh, these these ministries, the Gabriel Project mm -hmm. or the Rachel's Vineyard in their parish, give us a call. We can help them set that up. Yeah, and, you know, I've heard from many, many people, and I understand it. Uh, well, being out there in the public, and uh, it's not my cup of tea. And, and, okay, it's not your cup of tea. That's fine. We're not saying you have to do that. Mm -hmm. But there are all these other things. St. Vincent de Paul. Uh, mm -hmm. Sacramento Life Center, they mm -hmm. need volunteers. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Gabriel Project needs volunteers. Uh, Bishop Gallego, uh, my, the same daughter I was telling you about, uh, one summer she, she volunteered and answered phones for them, you know, yeah. just, just uh, because she wanted to be a, uh, somehow help. You, you know? know, I was thinking on the way here, Bob, um, you know, what, what in the world am I going to say? <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> i let God, you know, sort of, Put whatever words he wants me to say in my mouth. Um, none of us are called to the cloister, right? I'm not a monk. I don't live confined behind the walls. Faith is meant to be public, yeah, right? And I would say I'm not necessarily one either to go out and pray the rosary in front of a clinic. And I, I think that's clinic as if they provide health right, care, right, right. Um, that 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 title sort of when I was out there, I thought, oh, this is it's an evil place. These these uh, facilities. Right? Well, they they and they talk about uh, reproductive rights, and there's yeah. nothing about reproduction going on. Yeah, it's terminating it. Um, but I, f I felt compelled to go out there, and just by my witness, by my simple, you know, walking up and down that little piece of sidewalk. Praying the rosary, uh, which I love, you know, uh, meditating on the life of Christ and praying for these people who feel they this is it, this is what they must do. We we want to give them uh, we want to give them an option, really real choice, right? Yeah. A real choice, not the one. Um, and you know, we last time we talked, they think as if the only choice is one sided, right? And really, as a society, we need to honor um, the choice to, um, in the in the face of difficulty, to bring that child and give it life. But then we need to help that those parents nurture it. Right. Right. Uh, still, that 
quote from Hillary Clinton, I can't believe I'm going to do this. It takes a village. Right. Right. Uh, I know in my own journey, I had help from my parents, sure. my in-laws. I had friends who um, my kids saw the way that they lived, the values that they had. Yeah. Right. We surrounded ourselves. And people say, oh, you got great kids. I said, oh, you should meet my friends. Yeah. No, right? it's true. I, <laughs> I, I, you know, it, well, long before we had cell phones, you know, we'd be riding our bikes around. Fortunately, I grew up in a small town. And if somebody saw you out on the street after dark, I mean, they're yeah. sending you home. That's right. You know, and um, this, it, does, it does take more than just mom and dad, especially as the yeah. kids get older, you know. and it's uh, So wouldn't it be something if these young women, and we see them at the dinners, right, who right. have been helped and supported, who then become these incredible witnesses yeah. on the ministry of Respect Life, if we could have more and more and more of them say, oh, that's a beautiful child. Oh, you should meet my friends. Yep. And that those people are the people who work in the, the um, sac- like Sacramento right. Life Center, these ministries, and more importantly, our church. Right. right? Yeah, I mean, I look, I just, I just popped on the Exodus Project. Yeah. And oh, my gosh, I went to their dinner uh, a couple of months ago. And met some of these people, mm-hmm. and one one young man I'm talking to, and and he's he's now an undergrad. They have like they call it the underground mm-hmm. scholars. He's now a student at UC Davis, and I said, "Oh, what were you doing?" He, he was about six eight, and I said, "You look like you played some basketball." He said, "Oh yeah, I did in high school," mm-hmm. and I said, "Oh, and did you play in college?" He said, "Well, I was in prison for ten years." you never known it. Yeah. And so that, you know, if we look at that, and I was in employment and training for, I worked with the state for 25 years in that area. Mm-hmm. And what's necessary for them to not um, recommit sure. and get put back in right. behind the, and incarcerated, right? Is they need a support network. Absolutely. Right? They, they, need, they need employment. They need housing. They need mentors, right? People who accompany them and lift them up during their times of difficulty so they can be that example, right? right? That's the exact same thing that we do, we should be doing when we talk about the women who are experiencing this this, uh, difficulty, right? right? We want to have that very same example because then they become the missionary, right? Right, they become the witness. So there's there's a lot to do, um, but again, I'm I'm very pleased to uh, to be a part of it. Uh, I would like to talk briefly, if we could, about um, the upcoming Eucharistic procession. Yes, yeah, I was going to say you, you're beginning to think this was a bait and switch. We, yeah, we yeah. ask we ask you to we ask you to come in to uh, talk about the Eucharistic Congress. And we got off onto a, a very, very uh, well, important we're subject. We're both very passionate yeah. about it, right? Yeah. So, but yes, I, I, I have it right here on my <laughs> notes. I said, okay, Eucharistic Congress, which is coming up on March the 9th. March the 9th. Um, to, uh, talk about what, what that means. A Congress you think of as a gathering, a group. And of course, we are in the middle of our Eucharistic revival, right. which I'm so excited about. I think I, uh, I I don't know if the word necessary was the term, but it's so uplifting. You know, um, an adoration, Eucharistic adoration, is something that I think that's been lost a little mm-hmm. bit, right? Um, since I've been a deacon, I've been able to um, preside at adoration in my parish. And... The first thing I wanted to do was, you know, fill the time up with mm-hmm. a prayer and song, right? So praying the rosary out loud with everybody and singing a few songs. And and someone said to me, um, do you think we could just, just be quiet, <laughs> just be quiet. <laughs> right? Oh, oh, that. Um, and so I, we actually had um, adoration uh, last night in my parish at Holy Spirit. And to be quiet in front of the Lord um, 
it's it's necessary mm-hmm. because he does speak to us, right? It's an opportunity. You know, they always say, well, give it all to God. Well, there's the opportunity, right, to really be quiet and just pray to him in the silence of your heart, you know, what's weighing down on you. And then also to be in that presence. I was thinking the other day as we as we begin to plan and, you know, if we really think about who it is, not what it is, but who it is that yeah. we're processing. Yeah. Um, so we're really we're really working on. There's three locations: right. Guadalupe, Our Lady of Guadalupe, mm-hmm. um, we're, and all of these locations are going to have a combination of speakers and music mm-hmm. and some hospitality. Um, Our Lady of Guadalupe, primarily in Spanish. Uh, St. Francis of Assisi mm-hmm. is also going to be one of the um, Eucharistic Congress sites here right. in Sacramento. Right. And then um, the third one is the um, uh, Parish of the Immaculate Conception mm-hmm. out here just on Broadway. Right. Um, focusing on youth. And that that one there is going to be organized by the, the Black Catholic right. Caucus. The, the, um, the ministry here. In right, the, yeah, right. right. And um, they're working really hard to involve all the different diverse communities um, to come and share that cultural diversity uh, at at Immaculate Conception. They're going to be, it's a youth focus. Mm -hmm. And again, music, uh, they're going to have some gospel singing, some really dynamic speakers there. Uh, Those events will conclude with mass and then go right into a procession of the Blessed Sacrament. To, to the cathedral. To the cathedral. Yeah, and so. all three of those parishes are about a, within about a mile of each other and about a mile to the cathedral, something like that. I'm right. probably off a little bit. So but. they're a little bit longer haul. St. Francis yeah. is about a mile and a half. Yeah. Uh, if we go right down K Street, and that's our plan, right down the heart of the city. Right. Um, you know, processing beautifully uh, the Blessed Sacrament. Right, yeah. what a witness that is yeah. to our community, and then the Immaculate Conception is two point seven miles. Is it that far? It's yeah. I was surprised to hear that distance. Yeah, I'm thinking here, here we're on Twenty uh, First and Broadway, and it's yeah. about Thirty Fourth, I think, something like that. Of course, we're not yeah. the cathedral; we're, we're the pastoral right. center. So yeah. um, we're going to be out in the public. We're working with uh, the city to get the permitting. Uh, to be accompanied by um, law enforcement, so we're protected. At first, we were going to walk on the sidewalks. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, dusk is going to be setting on us, and so we want to make sure we're safe. The sidewalks aren't very wide. Yeah, You really can't have a couple of grown people carrying a processional canopy no. and the priest in the middle with the monstrance and the Blessed Sacrament on a sidewalk. Right, and so that idea that we were just talking about of recognizing who it is that we're processing, right? It's God made man, right? Right, that's who we are carrying with us uh, down through the streets of Sacramento. And I, you know, I was thinking uh, last time we talked, I shared that I was in the military. Um, we certainly did not have Eucharist processions right. there uh, on on the base. Right, you know, we just right. didn't do that. Um, but I, I I see more and more. Saint Stephen's does them. Our Lady of Guadalupe, uh, they do them more often. But I think as the church begins to shift, right, um, we become more public, and if we look around the world, these processions are ways to express Mm -hmm. the beauty of the feast that we celebrate in the life of our church, right? So Marian processions, um, the Pentecost. I mean, there's all these beautiful feasts that we have. Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi that we can have. And so, as you mentioned, we're in this year of uh, Eucharistic revival. Um, We've done some things in my own parish but on a grander scale, um, we're doing this, uh, you know, sort of sponsoring through the diocese, mm-hmm. through the bishop, um, this initiative to have these parish-based um, festivities 
concluding with uh, these processions to the cathedral. So they begin at about 2 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, they go to 6, at which time the, you know, they would conclude with the Mass, as I said, and then into the streets. Uh, so there would be Masses at each of these parishes. Right. And then the, the cathedral, and the cathedral ha- even has a, a program afterwards called Night Fever, more for young adults, pretty much, but anybody's welcome, and that that will run from uh, seven to nine. Right, and so that'll be again. You know, we spoke about adoration. Right. right? So the first Eucharist, the first uh, procession to arrive at the cathedral, that monstrance will be placed on the altar. There will be adoration. There'll be the opportunity. We still are in Lent, right? That time of almsgiving and right. fasting and prayer, right? Um, and reconciliation, conversion. Right. Uh, so there'll be opportunity to um, go to confession as right. well. So um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, there's still some planning to do. Uh, we're also working with the Knights of Columbus. I'm right. going to call them out again. Um, we're looking forward to their support. Well, if you get the Knights involved, you're going to be well fed. Well, that's <laughs> right. That's right. Um, you know, have the honor guards. Mm-hmm. Um, have them help with the procession. You know, we're going to need road the, guards for our safety, all those kinds of things. The Knights, I, I remember, they always come to the uh, uh, the vocations dinner, mm-hmm. the annual vocations mm-hmm. dinner, and they process in and we do the, you know, the salute to the flag and, right. and et cetera. Wow. I mean, that's it's a, it gives you chills. Yeah. 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 So we want to have that same kind of, generate that same kind yeah. of response in the people that are participating in the procession. And I, and I, about that, um, I know it's not been well broadcast, at right. the, and that's one of the reasons we wanted to come speak right. with you at the parish level. And right. so if you're listening to this, um, you can easily come to the diocesan website under the events page right. and you know get a flyer, speak to your pastor about promoting this or including it, um, in the parish bulletin, right. but most of all, we invite all the listeners here to the Bishop's Hour, and we know there's a huge audience, right, that listen to you, Bob, um, to come and join us, right, it's that, that first invitation to John and Andrew from Christ, right, mm-hmm. where do you where do you live, come and see, and so that's the Christian invitation, right, and so we invite all the people of uh, who share our faith belief in the holy sacrament of the altar um, to come and join us and come and see and be a part of these beautiful uh, public witnesses of um, faith here in the diocese and it is a saturday it is a saturday march the 9th and uh uh some of you know if if some of the uh, wonderful speakers and maybe some of you are, are familiar with a fair number of these Priscilla Garza, Father Agostino Torres, who's really great, uh, Ryan Ramirez, Pedro de Acevedo, and uh, many more at the at the various parishes. Again, uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe Shrine, or the National Shrine of Our Lady right. of Guadalupe, and the uh, um, uh, Immaculate Conception, and St. Francis out there by Sutter's Fort, right there, right? That's right. So yeah. we, we hope, uh, you know, we hope for a really big show. You know, but uh, if if it's five of us, it's five of us. Yeah. We're going to witness with five of us, as yeah. loud and proud. And if it's five hundred of us, yeah. uh, praise be to God, it's five hundred of us, and we're going to do the same thing. Do you need any sort of sign ups or uh, like no. that, and just show up? Just show up. Yeah. Right? What's that? Ninety five percent of success, right? Is, yeah, is showing, showing up, up. Right. Yeah. So just show up and be a part. And we're also. There's been some concerns about, um, you know, these parishes are a little bit set outside of sure. the immediate downtown area, sure. away from the cathedral. So how do we get back to the place where we started? So right. we're working on um, getting sort of a, a bus uh-huh. mm-hmm. to make several To make loops, a round, yeah. Yeah, yeah. make a loop, drop pe- people, excuse me, pick people up. Yeah. Um, at the cathedral, make that circle, drop people off, and do that several Come times, back. get every back, everybody back to their parish where they started Perfect. and back to their cars. Perfect. 
So Either we, that we or Uber that will be away. happy to help out. I'm sure Uber would be thrilled, right? <laughs> if we have uh, you know, thousand a couple people, of thousand yeah, people, right. then they're going to be, yeah, they're going to be very they're, happy, right? They're going to be cruising and, and just, just spring uh, in the local economy. Uh, that's exactly right. Uh, Deacon Danny Patterson, such a joy. Thanks so much uh, for joining us. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate it. Yeah, God bless. And thanks for listening, everyone. God bless. We'll talk to you again soon. I want to take a minute to talk about the annual Catholic Appeal, the 2024 annual Catholic Appeal. So important here uh, in the Diocese of Sacramento. So many ministries supported by the annual Catholic Appeal, and the, the people in the Diocese of Sacramento have always been so generous. But uh, a wonderful brochure, you, a pamphlet, really, that you may have received in the mail and on, on the back cover of uh, a picture, maybe it's, front, I guess that's the front cover, uh, Deacon Kevin Staskow says, uh, I really think that everyone has something to give. When Jesus was literally dying on the cross, he found the strength to turn to the thief being crucified next to him and minister to that person. So often we have all kinds of excuses not to reach out to those next to us. Indeed, today you will be with me in paradise. And you look through this brochure, and you will learn the many, many, many ministries that are supported by the annual Catholic Appeal. And uh, uh, 25% of your donation goes back to the parishes for social ministry at your parish. 50% supports charities, uh, Catholic charities of Sacramento, uh, and the members in that are Catholic Charities of Yellow Solano, Northern Valley Catholic Social Service, which uh, serves uh, Butte, Glen, Shasta, Siskiyou, Tehama, and Trinity counties in this 20-county diocese, and Sacramento Food Bank and Family Services right here in the greater Sacramento area. Also, associate members are Camp Recreation, serving Northern California, the Mother Teresa Maternity Home in Placerville, the Rancho Cordova Food Locker in greater Sacramento, the Upper Room Dining Hall in Placerville. Many of you have worked at those places, are very familiar with those places, or have availed yourself of the wonderful services they provide. 25% uh, supports education, seminarian formation, and Catholic school tuition assistance. Uh, Partners uh, in uh, uh, the annual Catholic Appeal and Catholic Charities of Sacramento include Anderson Cottonwood Christian Assistance, Bishop Gallegos Maternity Home right here in Sacramento that does such wonderful work, the Catholic Ladies Relief Society up in Chico, Community Assistance Network in Greenville, Portola and Quincy up in the hills, Loaves and Fishes in Sacramento, which just just does wonderful work with the homeless, Sacramento Life Center, which has uh, saved so many lives here in the Sacramento area, Salvation Army Food Shelf in Susanville, the Society of St. Vincent de Paul and their seven district councils, the North State, Placer Yuba Sutter Butte, Sacramento East, South Sacramento Elk Grove, Sacramento Metro Area, and Yolo Delta and Solano. Also, the Stanford Settlement Neighborhood Center in Sacramento and the Wellsprings Women's Center in Sacramento, plus Yuba City, uh, Yuba Sutter right to life, the two counties uh, just north of Sacramento. Uh, More than 100 programs provide things like counseling, emergency fund, shelter and clothing, permanent and transitional housing, job training, pregnancy counseling, post and prenatal care, independent living skills, mentoring, parenting skills, after school care, refugee resettlement, citizen and citizenship and immigration services, and jail ministry our gifts help people who are mentally ill homeless disaster survivors immigrants elderly developmentally disabled incarcerated working families refugees at-risk youth the unborn pregnant women the hungry and single parents such a wide wide range of our, our catholic mission here on this earth and in this diocese of sacramento one of the programs uh, uh, through uh, Northern Valley Catholic Social Services is 
the court-appointed special advocate program, which is operated out of all the superior courts in the state of California, and it partners with Northern Valley Catholic Social Service uh, to help kids who need advocates in the courts. Uh, they talk about, a, in this pamphlet, a, a young woman named Isabel, uh, who is devoted to ensuring a positive support system for foster kids now and for their future. As appointed uh, as a court-appointed special advocate, a program administered with compassion and dedication by Northern Valley Catholic Social Service, Isabel gives kids the voice they need in court to have a positive path in life. She was once in foster care herself. The severe trauma a child goes through is all too familiar. Today, she's reunited with her parents, has a family of her own, and is focused on becoming a lawyer. Northern Valley Catholic Social Services uh, gives her the opportunity to advocate in court for children with stories like hers. Uh, again, the annual Catholic appeal, uh, give generously, give whatever you can, whether it's a small amount, a large amount. Also, more men can say yes to the call to the priesthood. Support from the annual Catholic appeal helps seminarian Eric Patrick, who is pictured in this uh, brochure, to become Father Eric Patrick this past June. We've had him on our program, a de delightful priest. Father Patrick is earnestly hopeful that he can be a conduit for the experience of God's mercy and love. With coughs offset by the appeal, the 12 men now in seminarian formation can focus less on financial worries and more on preparing to serve in our parishes. The annual Catholic Appeal, uh, a wonderful, wonderful way to support so many ministries in the Diocese of Sacramento. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening. God bless everyone.